Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan back with another episode of the Balance Parent Podcast. And I'm here with a special guest, Megan Harris of Mom with Intention on Instagram. And she is going to talk with us about how we can start using mindfulness in our parenting and even more specifically with our kids. And I'm really excited about this because this is something that I want to do with my kids and my kids are resistant on. So I'm really hoping, Megan, that you'll be able to help us. So Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit more? about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here, Laura. I'm really excited to be here. I'm Megan and I live in Southern California with my husband and four-year-old daughter. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom with her and we just love spending our days exploring outside. We love going to the beach or even exploring local gardens nearby. I started Mom with Intention because I'm so passionate about child mental health and emotional wellness in kids. And I was really hoping to create something that would empower moms and dads to parent through thoughtful instruction, using natural consequences and emotional connectedness. Um, I have a bit of a background in psychology. I remember sitting in one of my marriage and family therapy classes, college, just taking such avid notes because I was so just intrigued and loved everything I was learning about. And I remember thinking like, okay, I have to save these notes someday for when I have kids down the line. So I later ended up becoming a teacher and I taught third grade for a bit. And just being in the school system, I really noticed how it was kind of counter to everything I had learned in my psychology schooling in the way that they really valued rewards and punishments and they didn't really give teachers tools to address the core needs of kids and to kind of help them with coping strategies. So that lit a fire in me a little bit and wanting to spread awareness and education for childhood mental health. And when I had my daughter, course that encouraged me to research more and just kind of dig deeper into child development and provide tools and resources for other parents. That's beautiful. And I think like so many of us who go into the the parenting field or and find respectful parenting have similar stories. I found you just on Instagram. I don't even know, like maybe through a hashtag, but I love <laughs> your Instagram feed. Um, you always have such lovely reminders and tips. It's actually one of the places that I go for my own self as a parent, you know, so I have people that I follow for my business. I have people that I follow for me, but when I like want to 
to just have some reminders around respectful parenting, your page is one of the places I go. And I was so tickled then you said you'd come and be on my show. Okay, so I would love to know a little, so Mom With Intention the, is your handle. And I think that's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is getting intentional, getting clear on what your core values are and being conscious in your parenting and moving with intention, releasing reactivity and responding Mm -hmm. instead. So tell me a little bit about how mindfulness and intention kind of work together. Like how being a mindful parent and being an intentional parent are related in your mind. Yeah. um, Well, being a mindful parent is really just like paying attention to the present moment and our emotions that come up within us Mm -hmm. and kind of our environment around us. So just recognizing that our kids need to learn those skills too, and really we can help them with that and kind of equip them with tools for being mindful themselves and paying attention to their own feelings that come up. Because a lot of the times kids kind of are reactive and they have these dysregulated nervous systems. But if we can teach them mindfulness and how to stop and really recognize their feelings that are going on inside of them, what they can do about that and different techniques that can really help kids who are struggling. As I, as I was listening to you an- answer, it brought up this question because I, I think sometimes when we hear mindfulness, we automatically think meditation mm-hmm. and meditation is intimidating to a lot of people who are new to the idea of mindfulness. Sure. And so like I, on the, like on the parent level, as we mm-hmm. are, like if we are wanting to become more mindful parents, how does that contrast with meditation? Like how are those related? How are they different? What does that look like in practice? That, Cause I love this idea of becoming aware in the present moment of the feelings mm-hmm. that arise or the thoughts that arise. I know that non-judgment is a crucial piece of mindfulness, but when we, I think oftentimes the word, like the term mindfulness can feel intimidating. So like from a, can we just bring it down? Like, you know, bring it to a more accessible level. Sure. Um, well, mindfulness, it can be done formally, but it can absolutely be done informally and just throughout the day and just the way we think about things and using our mindset. Um, And we can even kind of use our language and the way we talk about just our day to bring mindfulness awareness to our kids. So give me an example. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I like to do with my daughter, like if we're outside or going for a walk, um, I might look up at the sky and say, wow, like, do you notice like how puffy and white the clouds are? Like, they're so beautiful. Like, do you see that? Or just like pointing out the flowers, like, wow, look how vibrant and colorful the flowers are. Like, what colors do you notice? And that just kind of brings her attention to the present moment helps her pay attention to her surroundings and what's going on and um, kind of helps her to really appreciate that and just take that in and learn to really observe that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I think that's so great to think about like in these, like out, like these non conflictual moments, right? The moments where things are not stressful. It's a positive moment and dropping Mm -hmm. into awareness of kind of our surroundings. What about emotional awareness? How do you start helping kids with kind of, coming to um, like become aware of their emotions, where they are in their bodies, all of those things. How, like, how do we structure that? Cause this is something that my own daughter, who's I, my oldest one at like people who listen for a long time. No, I have a very strong willed daughter who is um, open to learning from other people, but not as open to learning from me. I would love to know how, like how that works in a general sense, but 
particularly like, can we be sneaky with it? Like, is there ways <laughs> that we can work it in um, where they can't, like, they don't sense our agenda? You know, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel you on that because my daughter is similar <laughs> in that regard. For a while, I, I feel like I was trying to teach her about her feelings and identifying those and what she could do. And it would just kind of frustrate her more. And she'd be like, no, mom, like, stop, you know? <laughs> So we actually ended up getting something for her called a time and toolkit and it's through generation mindful and they come with some posters and one of the posters is this big poster of feelings and you don't have to get the toolkit to get this you could probably print it from offline <laughs> and, um, it just has um, kids with their faces with different feelings and so these feelings are high energy and pleasant high energy unpleasant low energy, pleasant, low energy, unpleasant. And it's something like, I don't even need to be there while she's looking at. Um, mm -hmm. So when she does feel these big feelings come up um, and she doesn't want to talk to me, she'll kind of run over to the poster and like point at it. And sometimes when she's in her dysregulated state, like she doesn't have the words to use. Sometimes she doesn't even know what she's feeling. Yeah. So to like show kids different feelings that they may be feeling and talk about that with them, it can really help them recognize what's going on inside of them. And then on the parents' end, it's really important to like kind of teach the kids that feelings aren't good or bad. There's not like these good or bad feelings, but rather there's comfortable feelings and there's uncomfortable feelings and all feelings are okay. Like it's okay to express sadness and anger and let those feelings come up and sit with them. So we don't even need to say anything sometimes to give kids that message. We can just kind of let them be when their sadness comes up and they're crying. And so like, instead of trying to distract them or bribe them or, you know, like reward them out of these emotions, just like letting them be. And then when they can let them be and sit in these emotions, they will eventually come to learn that they can get through them and get to the other side and learn that these big emotions aren't as scary as they think they are and that mm -hmm. they can handle them. And it really teaches them resilience too. Yeah. The lesson of that they are like waves and they can wash over us and go. And yes, then we, exactly. if we feel them fully, they're gone. I think something that you said there that I just wanted to pull out that I think we don't talk about enough is the, when it comes to emotions is the language piece of it. And so I was just talking with a client earlier today about this exact topic that even kids who know the names for all of their feelings, mm -hmm. um, and that's assuming a lot, you know, that that in and of itself, the vocabulary is a big skill. It's a big skill for adults too. A lot of the times when I work with adults, we have to do kind of remedial emotions mm -hmm. um, education because we don't like, we didn't get taught those feelings when we were kids, right? right. Either. Right. Um, so, but even when they do have the voc vocabulary for all of that they're feeling, when they are in a big emotional state, if we think about like the three tiers of the brain, right? The kind of the more primal bottom layer that mm -hmm. is active when we get triggered, our fight or flight system is in it, the emotional layer, and then the executive layer, like language processing lives in the executive layer. Mm -hmm. And so if they're in their emotions or they're triggered and they're in those two lower tiers of the brain, then the ability to communicate the, what they're feeling and even have access to the words for what they're feeling, even if they know them when they're calm, they might not have access to those things in the moment when they're feeling the big feelings, when the big feelings are present in their body. I think it's so important for parents to understand that, especially like when we use phrases like, 
use your words to a kid who's upset. Many times if a kid is very upset, that part of their brain is offline. They don't have any words, right? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We kind of, I talk about that a little with my daughter. I think it's even important to bring that awareness to kids. Yes, they need to know about their brains, right? So I, I probably read it, but from the whole brain child, yeah. Talk a little bit about like the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. <laughs> so the upstairs brain being, you know, regulated, they can articulate themselves and their feelings and then lower downstairs brain being just dis- dis- dysregulated and not able to access that higher level of thinking. Yeah. Um, so I talk about that with my daughter and like, me too. My yeah, daughter will be like, my, my amygdala told you that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like you and that I hated I you. That it. wasn't yeah. me. And I'm like, you're right, it. honey. That was your amygdala. <laughs> Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So the, like she, you guys can't see us right now. This is why sometimes this is so nice to do on video, but Megan and I are both like doing this hand motion that is really helpful for, to teach kids. So if you take your, your thumb and wrap your fingers around it, um, when you're explaining this part of brain development to your kids, you can put your thumb in and teach them about the amygdala and about their downstairs brain and then wrap the fingers around it. And that when they get upset or how or having big feelings that it flips the lid and then you can flip your fingers up and then it, it makes it very clear that then the the amygdala or the the downstairs brain is the kind of what's running the show so yes parents need to understand this but kids I think about like my childhood you know to Megan sometimes where like I had big feelings and I got the message repeatedly that my big feelings were not okay that I was too much, you know, even my big positive feelings were too much that I needed to tone it down and clamp it down. And if someone had told me about about the self-regulation process, about like feelings are waves, they come and they pass, you know, like I I just, I would have had a much easier childhood and I would be a much more well-regulated adult because those strategies that I didn't learn in childhood are not hardwired into me. Now they're more effortful, right? Yeah. That's why it's so important now to do the work and learn about this and teach our kids everything we can about like self-regulation and and mindfulness tools they can use. Yeah. So what are some other things you do with your daughter to teach her like mindfulness and kind of present moment being... Well, one of my favorite things to do is we do right before bed almost every night. And as she's laying on her bed, I have her do a body relaxation technique and I'll kind of start with her toes and work all the way up to her head and really help her to like relax each piece of her body and then tell her that she can do the same herself as she's laying there on her own. So that we start with her toes and I say, okay, wiggle your toes. Now relax your toes and feel them really sink into the mattress. Feel your feet, wiggle your feet and feel them rest into the bed. And we slowly like move up to every single piece of her body. And I think that's a great tool that you could do with kids just to help kind of calm their body and teach them that, you know, they can control this with their minds and they can use these strategies to kind of calm themselves when they need to. They can even do this when it's not time for bed. If they're just feeling worked up, like they can work on each piece of their body and like kind of moving it around and then resting it. So we do that. I also really love Cosmic Kids on YouTube. They yeah. have some yoga, some mindful <laughs> yoga, which is fun for kids. We'll do like we can do breath work even with young kids. Uh, my daughter is four. And then um, can teach her things like, we call it like pizza breathing. So you have them hold their hands out and pretend like they're holding a pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, breathe in through your nose and smell the pizza and then breathe out and cool the pizza off. Oh, fun. 
<laughs> with like more of a fun way to like get them focusing on their breath. One breathing technique that I, that to teach like in, in through the nose and out through the no- mouth breathing that I like to do with my kids mm-hmm. is I take a big bowl and put a couple drops of dish soap in it and mm-hmm. water and then give them straws and then they blow bubbles with it. And it's, you know, it is very regulated breathing. Breathing out through a straw is yeah. the, the kind of breath you need to uh-huh. lower your nervous system and calm yourself down. And pra- just like parents sitting down and mindfully choosing a meditation practice Mm -hmm. things like what you're talking about you know can be the practice so that those skills are easily accessible when they are angry and you know then in through the nose out through the mouth regulated breathing that needs to happen while you are trying to calm yourself down or while you're blowing through a straw you know yeah I love that that's a great idea I love this stuff. This is good. (laughs) What other things can we do with our kids to help them? uh, You can even do like gratitude journaling, or if you want to do it less formally, just kind of talking about like, Hey, what are you grateful for today? Like, let's, you know, I'm grateful for this, like comes to your mind when um, you think of what you're grateful for. I also, I bought some cards for my kid. They're called for my daughter, they're called mindful kids. Mm -hmm. And there's just a ton of cards that come with it. And they each come with a different mindful strategy. If you want, I can read one as an example. Yeah. Okay. So this one is called words to yourself. And um, so it's a step one, sit mindfully with your spine straight and body relaxed too. Are you ever nervous about trying something new because you think you can't do it? Instead of worrying, close your eyes and imagine someone you love encouraging you. Three. Now talk to yourself in the same way. Use positive words. Tell yourself it's okay to try many times when doing something new. Four, think about the kind words you would say to a friend who needs your help. Use those same words for yourself. Five, open your eyes and smile at yourself. You are fine just as you are. You help yourself when you replace any unkind words in your mind with kind words. So I just love these. It comes with like 50 different cards. You can just do like, do one at a time because more than that, my daughter won't sit through it, but. Um, of course not. She's only four, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for things like that, that mm-hmm. one of my kids is su- would be super interested in it and mm-hmm. love to do that. And then the other one would sense my agenda and be out mm-hmm. the door. She would have no desire. So like if you guys have, who are listening, have kids like that and you want to bring some of these practices on, I, I have found the best way for my strong-willed agenda sensing kid is to simply put them out put those things mm-hmm. out and available. Like if I have, there's books on feelings or things that I want her to, have, to read or have access to, I just put them on her bookshelf and she eventually finds them and uses them. And then she'll be like, mommy, did you know that blah, blah, blah. Like she's much more like open to talking about it with me when she feels, cause she, you know, she's reading now herself yeah. too, but she's much more open to talking about it with me when she feels like she is coming to the conversation as an equal partner in the Mm -hmm. conversation with knowledge to share and information to share. She really likes co-constructing knowledge around those Mm -hmm. things too. And that's the other piece too, I think is like with these things, I think empowering our kids to let them know that they have this mindful power within them that they that they know their bodies better than anyone ever could that they know themselves better than anyone ever could and then like all they have to do is get curious with themselves to Mm -hmm. to know themselves on this deeper level I think is 
can be really empowering and coming from a place well like this works for me but I might not work for you because you're a different person and only you know what will work for you to help you feel more calm or peaceful or whatever you know yeah absolutely that's a great idea what you said just leaving things out so they can kind of be an active participant and come do it on their own that's one thing i love about the time and toolkit i use with my daughter to kind of help her with mindfulness they have this um poster board that has reusable stickers mm. so something that she can go in her room and kind of use it on her own and i don't have to be there always like you know making her do it it's something she can kind of just learn to want to do on her own um, and kind of play with and the stickers go with mindfulness mantras mm. um, so she's not quite at the point of reading yet but when she's there older kids um, they can kind of like look at these mantras and learn them themselves and they're just a visual that's displayed Mm -hmm. So even like thinking of like, like for older kids that can read, you could like print out mantras and put them up for your kid to see that kind of help them be more mindful. Mm -hmm. And um, just to give you some examples, some of the mantras that are up on the wall are my mistakes help me learn and grow or my thoughts matter. What am I thinking about today? That's bringing awareness to your thoughts mm -hmm. and paying attention to that or being outside in nature helps me listen to what is going on inside of me. Those are lovely. I love yeah. those. That's so nice. <laughs> you know, it's interesting too. So I think that developing these practices for ourselves mm -hmm. and modeling it for our kids, because our kids can sense a hypocrite a mile away, right? So yeah. our kids see us sometimes more clearly than we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so if we are saying that these are good things to do and we're not actively taking part ourselves, it's a little bit hard for them to really believe in it and become invested in it in the way that we want to. I know that when I'm actively pursuing things like a self-compassion meditation or um, offering myself grace when I make a mistake, which I do out loud, like, ooh, I just used a tone of voice with you that that probably didn't feel good. Whew, that wasn't okay. But I know I'm human and I know I make mistakes and I can apologize and make it right. You know, like the, like having that conversation that would normally be inside, I have it outside so my kids can mm -hmm. hear my, me be like compassionate and check in with myself on those things. But even just like if we want our kids to have a yoga practice, the best way to do that is by us having a yoga practice, you know? Absolutely. Or even joining them in what they're doing and doing it with them mm -hmm. as far as the yoga or the pizza breathing or whatever it is you might be incorporating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other tips that you have for us on how to can be more intentional parents with our kids? Well, kind of going off what you were saying about kind of practicing it on your own. Um, it's so important for parents to also participate in mindfulness strategies and even just going about your everyday life, just taking minutes to time to pause and think about like, okay, what am I feeling in my body right now? What are my thoughts? Are these thoughts true? Like, can I challenge these thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, and really just being intentional about our, our present moment. Um, and I actually read an interesting study about mindfulness in the brain I wanted to share with you. Yeah, we um, love it, ge geeking out about yeah. <laughs> research here. <laughs> it was done by a Harvard professor and he took two different groups of people. Both groups had never had any sort of um, experience doing mindfulness or incorporating mindfulness strategies. Um, one group kind of left alone and didn't teach them anything about it. And the other group, he had them start um, bringing attention to their 
present moment and their feelings, doing mindfulness meditation and yoga. And then at the end of the study, I forgot to say at the beginning, he did an MRI scan of their brain. And then after all of the mindfulness training on one end versus not on the other end, he took a scan of their brains again. And even when um, the one group who did the mindfulness practice, when they weren't in the middle of doing mindfulness practice, their amygdala was way less reactive than the Mm. other group. And amygdala kind of helps process fear and emotion. So it really helped them be less reactive. Overall. Um, Yeah, overall, um, even Mm. when they weren't in the middle of practicing it. So even if you can like incorporate um, little things here and there, it even has an impact on your brain when you're not using it, which I thought was so cool. (laughs) So when I talk about mindfulness with the parents that I work with, so I, I encourage the parents that I work with almost across the board to be engaging in compassion-based mindfulness. Mm, And the research on compassion-based mindfulness is phenomenal and fascinating that um, like the changes that you see in a regular mindfulness practice when you add in compassion um, based techniques Mm -hmm. you get even stronger effects um, which is amazing and I love it and so good and so powerful and it's because of that and, and it's so effective for parents because if we are reducing our stress overall and we are making our brains more resilient to stress and more able to stay calm in stressful situations, then we have the ability to show up as the parents we want to be Yeah, getting less triggered. And I think like it's likening it to a marathon. So if I was going to go run a marathon like tomorrow, I I might die. Like I don't, I don't (laughs) run. I'm not a runner. Like it's not, it's never been my thing, but I certainly haven't trained. Like if I would, like if I was going to run a marathon, I would train for it. Right. And that's what mindfulness practices are. They're training your brain and conditioning your brain so that its natural response is one uh, that's less stressful. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. And I love that you said to approach it in a place of compassion, because I feel like that's something so many of us never learned as kids. Um, Just when our emotions come up, I feel like we're so critical of that. Like, no, I shouldn't be feeling this. Like, what's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? I'm such an angry mom. But instead to kind of change the way we think about it, let those feelings come up and just don't pass judgment on them. Be compassionate with yourself. Say like, Mm -hmm. that's okay that I'm experiencing this. I'm going to let it sit and kind of see how that feels. Yeah. And it's okay to like, this feels yucky. I'm upset with myself and that hurts too. And like when that's happening for me, I have found that a warm heart on my, or a warm hand on my heart is Mm. what allows me to be more compassionate to myself. And that that's, again, that's something that I practice. So when I do a loving kindness meditation, I always put my hand over my heart and focus on the like the space where my skin on my hand connects with my heart on my body. Mm-hmm. That's where the, like the intention is. I focus mm-hmm. on really sending the loving kindness in there. And so then in moments when I need compassion, mm-hmm. if I put my hand on my heart, it trigger, it triggers compassionate thoughts. It triggered like your, your habit or your brain loves habits. Your brain Mm -hmm. loves efficiency. And so if you practice something enough, it doesn't want things to be effortful. It wants things to be easy and it will just go right in. Like if you have things like that, that trigger 
a compassionate pathway in your brain than when you do it outside of the moment when you need compassion and compassion is thin on the ground and it's hard to get there. Having something mm -hmm. like that kind of get your brain into that neural groove of compassion. And then there you are, you're sending yourself warm, loving thoughts that yeah, you deserve. I love that so much. That's such a great idea to put your hand over your heart. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Before. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, that's something too that like, so with my girls, I do almost like a body scan, like what you were talking about with the relaxation, but mm -hmm. uh, compassion and like self-love based one. So oh, we that. like, after we get out of the bathroom, we do lotion. And so I do a massage. And as we, I move up their body to do them in doing mm -hmm. the massage, we express gratitude and awe and wonder for the, and like marvel at their bodies as they, mm -hmm. as we move up and, and their bodies as, um, as instruments, you know, so it's, it's yeah. this is something that I've developed that's grounded in like body positivity and mm -hmm. in compassion, like self-compassion based mindfulness that is very, mm -hmm you know, we're in our bodies as we experience gratitude for all of the things that they can do. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, I want my girls to know, like growing up, that their bodies are amazing and good all the yeah. time, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and having been in a body that I felt betrayed me in the past mm. too, like that was something that was incredibly healing for me. I, I started that practice in the midst of my journey with chronic pain where I was, mm. I'm at the beginning, I was quite angry with my body for mm -hmm. the pain um, that it was bringing me and the way that it was, it, I felt like it was failing me. And mm -hmm. that was incredibly healing for me too, too. Because it was so natural to offer that love and compassion and positivity to my children's bodies, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And there's this disconnect, I think, sometimes in the respectful parenting world that doesn't get talked about enough that we believe wholeheartedly that our kids are born worthy of being treated with dignity and respect mm -hmm. and compassion. And we don't think about the fact that if that's true of our kids, then that is also true of us because we were babies born worthy of those yeah. things at one point, you know? Yeah, and, you're so right. And we're so hard on ourselves too. Like in the pursuit of intentional, respectful parenting, we can be so hard on ourselves, even when we know that that's not the way humans learn best, you mm -hmm. know? we are people who are practicing compassion and respect-based parenting. And we are not parenting ourselves with that same and offering ourselves that same level of respect and compassion. It's so important to be aware of that disconnect and that dissonance too. Like even the way that sometimes respectful parenting is taught, it's not taught with compassion and understanding and meeting the parent where they are. Right. No, you're so true. And the, the piece about addressing your own needs and being compassionate with yourself is also so helpful for our kids because we need to be a parent that is taken care of and that feels good in our skin and loves our bodies and loves ourselves and modeling that for our kids for them to see so they can grow into that as well. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they deserve that. They deserve seeing that and having it modeled for them. And if I just think about like, if we had all seen that growing up, like what could we be free from, you know, like what layers of generational stuff can we, would we have been able not to have been burdened with, you know? Right. 
Wow, that was good to talk about. I think that like we don't have that conversation enough that we as the parents are deserving of the compassion. And I also think that you can't give what you don't have. And so compassion always has to be directed to the self first before it can be offered freely and without condition and without strings to the other people in our lives, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I love compassion-based mindfulness. My favorite place to go for my own compassion-based mindfulness practice is selfcompassion.org. It's a website run by Dr. Kristen Neff, who is a great like compassion-based mindfulness researcher. Um, and mm-hmm. she has lots of great free guided meditations that you can just mm. listen to. So if I get to my kid's school early, so there's a five minute one that you can just pop in and listen to. But she also has like guided journal exercises that are lovely and in quite inspire, like inspire some of the t- things that I talk about with my kids at like at the dinner table. So sometimes like we will talk about, like we'll go around the table and say, what was one mistake we made today? What mm. did we learn from it? And how were we kind to ourselves when we made it? Mm. You know, like that is something yeah. that we do and go around the dinner table. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I could talk about mindfulness and compassion and all of those things forever, (laughs) but I want to be mindful of your time. And I so appreciate you sharing these tools with us. If people want to find out about like how to go about getting like the time in toolkit and some of the other tools that they talk that you spoke about, how can they find those resources? Sure. If you go to my Instagram page at mom with intention, the link in my bio is my personal affiliate link for them. So if you click on that, you can scroll through the three generation mindful, right? Yes. Three generation mindful. Okay. Um, And they have time and toolkit that you can use along with lots of other resources, even have some great ones for like teachers. If you're a teacher to help kids with that. I love that. I think that that's something probably that teachers, I hope like, I know that teachers are becoming more aware and using those Mm -hmm. things, but I think even now in this virtual schooling situation where kids are experiencing a huge amount of stress and Mm -hmm. social isolation, that in compassion-based mindfulness, one of the principles is common humanity. Mm -hmm. And that piece of it, I think, can be really helpful in this time of social isolation Mm -hmm. that our world is experiencing. Yeah. All right. Well, great. So I hope everybody goes to Mom with Intention. Megan is amazing and wonderful and her posts are direct and not fluff and so helpful, like right, (laughs) like when you need them. So I hope you go and follow her. And Megan, thank you so much for sharing with us. If you ever have anything else you need to share about mindfulness and kids, I, we want to hear it. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.